You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of uh, former Bellator fighters, Liz Carmouche, getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week, it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who, of course, uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life. On this Monday, February 20th, 2023. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. And yes, to address the elephant in the room, I just got a haircut. (laughs) Hope you guys like it. It's nice, high and tight. The other elephant in the room, of course, is that we're not in our studio. We're not in our New York City studio. I'm actually in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, GC is not in his usual spot in the control room. EJ is in his usual spot on Wednesdays, not Mondays. It's a whole confusing situation. Serious Frank is here as well, but you probably won't hear from him. Uh, I'm still in Montreal because I was here this weekend for something called Le Illumination Chamber. It was a great time. I'm going to talk all about my weekend. There was a lot of drama. It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to tell you all about it. But uh, we're here on President's Day. Uh, You know, July 4th we did this. This is just the second time, I think, in the history of the MMA Hour. Actually, the third. We did one in August of 2010. It was right before UFC 117. MC Hammer was on the program. I may have said this back in July as well when we did the uh, July 4th show after the Izzy Cannoneer card. In any event, we're doing it again here because I'm in Montreal, but we'll be back in the normal spot on Wednesday. All right? Hope you're okay with all of that. On today's program, we're just going to recap the weekend. No guests other than, of course, GC, New York Rick, Mysterious Frank, somewhere, you know, in the atmosphere. Uh, we'll recap the weekend. We'll talk about the news and notes. We'll recap my weekend. It was uh, it was a memorable one, one for the scrapbook. I look forward to uh, to hanging out and talking about it all. And as always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of 
not only the UFC, but this program as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today if you haven't already. And to be honest, I feel like everyone has at this point, especially if you listen to this show. But in any event, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the code Hour for a special offer when you sign up. Again, that's code Hour. That lets them know we sent you. Gentlemen, how are you? New York Rick, you doing well? I'm great. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm actually at my in-law's house, if I'm being honest, if mm-hmm. I could break the fourth wall. And, um, well, GC, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Coming live? I appreciate you breaking the fourth yeah. the fourth wall and admitting you're at your in-law's I house. I mean, what else am I going to say, right? I'm not in uh, the studio. You're at Del Boca Vista, right? Yeah, Del Boca Vista. Still don't get it. Second time you, you laid the joke out there, still don't get it. There are it. people out there who are popping for this joke. Del Boca Vista is where George Costanza's parents lived in Boca Raton. Now, I know you're not necessarily okay. in Boca right. Raton, yeah. but it's yeah. like, you know, not, not in Boca Raton. an old age home. And then Jerry Seinfeld's parents found out about this and they decided to move as well. And then, um, no, actually, you know what? I screwed that up. Seinfeld's parents lived in Del Boca Vista. George's parents found out about it, called up Seinfeld's parents and said, this is Frank Costanza. We're moving in lock, stock and barrel. We're going to be in the pool. We're going to be in the clubhouse. We're going to be all over that shuffleboard court. And I dare you to keep us out. Does this ring a bell? No, I haven't seen the episode, but what you're describing is similar to where there's a there's a shuffleboard court. Uh, Yeah, there's a pool. There's there's everything. Anyway, if I could break the fourth wall, uh, I'm at my in-laws' house. I've known my wife since we were um, 12, and so like this is where we would I would come over when she was a kid, you know, like in high school and stuff like that. And now here I am doing this critically acclaimed program from the spot. Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? It's all coming together. Uh, so I just wanted to share that with all of you. I thought that you would appreciate it, uh, but appreciate everyone who is joining us on this wacky President's Day. By the way, can anyone? This I feel like this is a question for Frank. What is President's Day? What are we celebrating today? Anyone? Yeah, I think we're just going to have to wait on the incoming yeah, Slack. Birthdays. There it is. Birthdays. Okay, Frank can only birthdays. Birthdays. What are we doing? Thanks, Everyone was born on this day? Is that what happened? No, I think there's like a, I think it's like Abe Lincoln's near here. I think George Washington's near here. Uh, yeah, they're all close See, to this Frank's day. presence. Sorely missed on this Monday. Um, a relatively quiet weekend, gents. Uh, <laughs> He's asking if they, you know what, it, you know, when, when I became a citizen, they made us uh, answer a bunch of questions. None of them pertain to President's Day, to be honest. So I'm a little bit ashamed. This is actually my first President's Shocking. Day as an American citizen. How about that? It's a big one for me. Yeah. So I'm happy to be spending it with you guys. Um, yeah, it's massive. It's massive. So like I said, I'm in Montreal for Elimination Chamber. Not sure if you guys saw on the internet, but I was doing some stuff over here for this massive, massive event. I'm going to spare you the details for now because the the, the word MMA is in our uh, title and people get very protective over that term. So let's start with some mixed martial arts if we can. Let's talk about the weekend and let's talk about, I mean, an incredible breakout performance from Aaron Blanchfield that I think, you know, we all thought that she was in the talk at 125, like she was in that picture, she was in the mix, so to speak. But I think, and and I certainly was was in this category as well, when they announced that Jessica Andrade was taking this fight on a week's notice, 
against Aaron Blanchfield after Tyler Santos pulled out, I think most people thought, and correct me if you guys feel otherwise, that, hey, shout out to Aaron Blanchfield for taking this fight against Jessica Andrade on a week's notice. Like, you're going from a tough opponent to arguably a tougher opponent. In the end, it's like, yo, Jessica Andrade made the mistake. She took the risk here because that was an unbelievable performance, a second round submission win over a very tough former champion and it never really looked close like it looked like there were levels and she was a level above and now all of a sudden she's very much in the mix now we could talk about what this win means where she goes from here and whatnot but near quick let me start with you what did you make of Aaron Blanchfield's performance and and quite frankly were you shocked that she looked that dominant against Andrade I wouldn't say I was shocked um because as you said, like a lot of us have pegged her as the future of this division. A lot of us have have kind of earmarked Aaron Blanchfield is going to be a player in this division at some point. I just don't think we knew. I, I'm speaking for myself here because I don't I don't think it's fair to speak for everybody. I didn't think it would happen this quick. It's happened very very quickly. Um, a win over a, a fighter as highly ranked and as capable and has the championship medal of Jessica Andrade means a lot to me. I I want to give. Aaron Blanchfield, all her flowers. She won the striking. She won the grappling. She did everything she needed to do. You can only fight the opponent in front of you that night. And Aaron Blanchfield absolutely dominated. I want. I do want to point out, though, that I don't think this was Jessica mm. Andrade's best performance. I thought she just looked off. She looked a little bit sloppy. She just didn't look prepared. And that's what happens when you take a fight on a week's notice. Now, to talk about the other side of that coin, Aaron Blanchfield only had a week as well. So we're, this is not... This is... It's apples to apples. They both only had a week to prepare. And when the the chips hit the table, Aaron Blanchfield was the one who absolutely came out and smoked her and dominated. So um, to me, incredibly impressive performance. I'm ready to put her in that title conversation right now. I'm ready to say if she's up there with Alexa Grasso or Valentina Shevchenko, no issues with it. She looks fully capable um, taking a big step up uh, and and acing the test. Flying colors for her. What do you think, GC? I mean, the most impressive thing for me was the performance on the feet. Like I kept saying all week, you know, I picked Andrade and, and I was wrong. And uh, I kept saying all week, you know, imagine if we get to the second round and, and Andrade has stuffed all of Aaron Blanchfield's takedowns. What is this fight going to look like? I thought it was going to be one-way traffic for Andrade. I think I literally said that on this show. I was dead wrong. She didn't get any takedowns in the first round. Andrade successfully stuffed them all. And Blanchfield hung in with her toe to toe with her on the feet you know she some may argue that she had more success than her in the first round and then to get to the second round and just to be able to finish her like that was just it's just such an outstanding performance for how young she is and, and how new she is to the division and you know what frank said the short notice thing sure you know andrade you mean, fought just a few mean, weeks ago you're correct what did I just say? You said Frank. I was like, there is no way Frank said anything about any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, sleep has not been a big thing for me over the last uh, couple of nights. No, no, so, uh, I just didn't want to give him too much sorry. credit. No, no, no. I appreciate y'all catching me there. Uh, Frank, uh, or I almost called him Frank again, man. Uh, some, something's well, going on here. New York Rick's face. Yeah, it threw me off. Uh, what New York Rick said about Andrade stepping in on short notice. I mean, yes, it, it probably wasn't her best performance. And she did fight a few weeks ago. But to be able to just smoke her the way she did was incredibly impressive for Blanchfield. And as far as the title shot, Valentina goes in there and takes care of Alexa Grasso. I don't see why you don't just give Blanchfield the title shot at this point. Because if, if, if she has to fight a Tyler Santos, then what was the point of her even taking this Andrade fight? I couldn't agree more. And by the way, you mentioned her age, just 23 years young. And it feels like... 
her ceiling is much higher than this. You're right about the striking. We all knew about the grappling. It was on display against uh, Molly McCann back in November. Obviously, it was on display yesterday as well. Uh, but that's how we were kind of first introduced her. She's very unassuming, right? Like she doesn't necessarily look like a killer. She doesn't act like a killer. She's not like tough and mean. She's actually very soft-spoken and quiet. But she is freaking incredible. And and now to touch on the title shot stuff. Yes, March 4th, we are getting Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. Alexa Grasso has improved tremendously over the last couple of years. Alexa Grasso was the type of person that we were talking about five, six, seven years ago as a potential, you know, title contender, potential superstar. Took her a while to really come into her own, but there's something going on with Mexican MMA right now with the likes of Brandon Moreno, with Yair Rodriguez, with her. So it feels like maybe there's some momentum there and we still don't really know. It's funny because like to me, the bigger question going into that fight is who is Valentina Shevchenko now? Was the Tyler Santos fight an anomaly or is she now, you know, experiencing what everyone does at some point, father time, uh, you, you start to decline. Was the Tyler Santos fight just a bad matchup or is she starting to decline? Was she lacking motivation? Was it Singapore? Was it the fact the time difference? Blah, 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 blah. So let's see. But Grasso isn't the type of fighter that historically Shevchenko has had trouble with over the last couple of years, right? The round against Jennifer Maya, the Santos fight. Grasso's going to want to stand and trade with her. Um, and that's, you know, Valentina's game. That's her bread and butter. If Valentina wins... And she faces Aaron Blanchfield. This is not a good matchup. This this is maybe her worst matchup since becoming champion at 125. Her toughest matchup since becoming... And it's a fight that I want to see. And so it's okay. Like I saw some people yesterday lamenting the fact that the Grasso fight is happening. Oh, just cancel it and do Blanchfield on March 4th. First of all, you know, that's very disrespectful and mean. Uh, Grasso could very well win that fight. But second of all, it's happening in two weeks. So it's not like we're going to get, you know, an answer in three, four months. We're going to know who's going to win this fight. Where it gets tricky, where it gets messy, is if Grasso pulls off the upset. Because you guys tell me if you feel otherwise. If Grasso pulls off the upset, you have to run it back, right? Like uh, Shevchenko deserves that respect. No? Near quick, no? You can't. Well, come um, on. Yeah, I um, think you have to. I, I'm with you, Ariel. I think you have to for how long she's held. Yes. The I'm kind of. I don't think every single title loss has to be a rematch. I really don't. But isn't there like a level it. of respect that, you, okay, you've been around, you've been the champ, no. you made that title. Really, like she made that title. We talk all the time, all the time about how stale the divisions get, how held up the divisions get. This is more of that. This is just more of, okay, now we have to do, okay, what happens when Valentina wins the second one? Now we do the third one? I'm done. I'm, it, yeah, I suppose it, that's true. It's, 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 it's enough like Sarah already. and GSP, right? Sarah beat him the first time. GSP beat him the second, and then they moved on. By the way, I always thought that they should have done the third one, but they never did. It was never even under consideration. So, but we, but the, now we're sitting around waiting for Amanda and Pena. Like, I just, I don't need to see these. I don't need to. If if Alexa Grasso goes there and and puts on a performance that is worthy of championship gold of holding the UFC title and beats Valentina Shevchenko. Give her Blanchfield and then maybe Valentina wins one more and gets back there. I'm fine with it. Would I would I be up in arms about it if Valentina, a long reigning champion, gets another crack at it? No. I'd be fine with it. But do I need to? I don't. I really don't. I think these divisions need to start moving. I'm sick of the championship rematches. Wow. I'm sick of divisions being held up. Let's just keep moving. And to be honest, I don't think Aaron Blanchfield is going to win that fight. 
I'm okay with her getting a title shot because I think she's she's earned it, and especially if you beat Jessica Andrade. But I think it is too early. I don't think she's a finished product, and I don't think that she's going to go in there and be the favorite against either of those fighters. So let her get a crack at it. But I I don't think she's I don't think she's going to win it. Wait, wait. Um, I think she clear, still has a lot to go. And if Aaron Blanchfield fights Valentina, Valentina's winning. Yeah. And you think if Aaron Blanchfield fights Alexa Grasso, Grasso is winning. Yeah. Wow. I do. Oh wow! I think, you think you think Grasso beats I do. Really? I think Gra- for the same reason we we talked about Grasso as a prospect early on, she needed more time, and this fast rise works for Erin Blanchfield in her favor because now she gets to that title opportunity quicker. But she just doesn't have enough fights, in my opinion. The performance against Andrade was very impressive, but she's coming from fighting Molly McCann right before that. Like she hasn't had enough time in this division against top competition, in my opinion, to get the seasoning that you need to beat somebody like Valentina Shevchenko. And quite frankly, even somebody like um, Alexa Grasso, would I, would my mind be blown if, if Aaron Branch Blanchfield went in there, used her grappling and was able to effectively beat either of them? It would not. I'm not going to pretend that it's like this major upset and be shocked, but there is something to the idea of getting reps. Like we just don't see champions as young as John Jones was anymore uh, because you, the UFC is so good and the level of competition is so good and the champions are so good. You kind of need these fights. You need these fights. And I I think Aaron Blanchfield needs more of these fights. But I also, just moments ago, said I would be okay with her getting a title shot because I don't think you have to win the title in your first shot. Sometimes you get one, you rebuild, and you get another one. I'm perfectly fine with her. I think she earned it with a win over Jessica Andrade. But I don't think she'd be the favorite. Um, but you're right that she she has a style that could pose problems for Valentina Shevchenko, for sure. And anybody, right. quite frankly. If she strikes like that, if she grapples like that, she's going to be a problem for a lot of people. I think against Alexa Grasso, she might be lined as the favorite. I, I feel like she could on the ground, especially right. Super she's superior, right? Not, yeah, it's not beat Alexa Grasso. I mean, the Valentina fight though—that's a different story. I mean, it feels like everyone has ushered in Aaron Blanchfield as the next champion at at one twenty-five. If you scroll on Twitter last night, you know I'm seeing Valentina's days are numbered. It's over for her. It's a wrap. I think this fight with Alexa Grasso is going to be telling. If she comes out and she looks like Valentina pre Tyler Santos fight and dominates it. I think that tune will change a little bit, but uh, I'm with Rick. I mean, maybe pump the brakes a little bit about putting the belt around her. I don't waist know about putting the belt around her waist, but yet. I think she's ready. I really do. Oh, for a title shot. There's no hundred percent. There's no doubt. That's right, not right, the right. argument that I'm making. Yeah. Who I'm just saying that, that yeah. like, I think a Valentina Blanchfield fight will be very close, you know, if not Valentina winning it. By the way, I think I think one of the problems with flyweight is we think of everybody as prey. We think of everybody as as food for Valentina Shevchenko until they show that they're not. I think Alexa Grasso suffers from that a little bit. She's really good, man. She is really, she good. Is really good. She's a very well-rounded mixed martial artist and an, an, an elite striker. Um, and I think it's just like people are automatically being like, oh, Aaron Blanchfield dominates both of them or yeah she's next for valentino get grasso out of there it's just not it's just not reality man like aaron blanchfield had a really really good performance against a really really strong uh contender but alexa grasso has been doing this for a bit and she's earned her stripes and she's and she's yeah, also really good um i'm not ready for, for okay a so here's the question yet. then are we overrating this win should this win have a bit not an asterisk so to speak but like it was a fight on a week's notice now one person was training for a fight the other had a fight not that long ago but wasn't training for this fight right so in in a, like in a just perfect universe the person who's training for the fight i know it was a different opponent um should be the one who is looking better and in better shape and all that stuff so are we overrating this win because it was Andrade who took the fight on 
seven days notice. And as you said, didn't quite look as solid as she has in the past. Are we, are we making too much out of this? Is this kind of fool's gold? Because we're looking at the name, but we're not considering the circumstances near Rick. I think you personally have to, personally, my take yeah. on that is you have to acknowledge it, but you can also recognize that something special happened there. Like just like Andraj could walk in there on a week's notice and beat a very large part of that division. And Aaron Blanchfield said, no, I'm not one of those people and, and made it look easy. So I think you, you acknowledge it, but you also celebrate just like what we saw. And I think it was a special performance. You know, what's new, you know, what's unique about this GC and, and I'll let you chime in, in in a sec. I just want to mention usually it's, it's the younger upstart, somewhat underdog, unproven fighter who takes the fight on a short notice against a veteran because this is their opportunity to shock the world. Like I think of Stipe and Roy Nelson, UFC 160 in Winnipeg. Remember that? And, and, and uh, Stipe was the unproven guy. Uh, he had not that long ago lost to Stefan Struve in England. And he gets this shot against the established Roy Nelson and he beats him rather convincingly. And now it's like, okay, Stipe has arrived. Like more often than not, it's the younger one. In this case, it was the younger one who had the fight and it was the veteran who was like, yeah, sure, I'll take that fight. I don't know if she underestimated her. I don't know if she thought it was going to be easy, whatever. But it's very rare that the younger one has the fight and it's the vet who takes it on short notice. Super rare, actually. Like I can't think of many circumstances. And then it's the younger one who wins that fight as well. Um, usually it's like the, the younger one that gets the, the W or takes it, stumbles, but we sit here on a Monday and say, well, props to them for taking the fight on short notice. You know, they look great uh, in doing so and uh, can't wait to see them with a full training camp. So this is very, very unique what she did. You wanted to say something, GC? Yeah, just uh, going off of what Rick said, I mean, I'm 100% with him. I think you have to acknowledge the short notice for Andrade, but you also have to respect what Blanchfield did was incredible. You asked the question, are we overrating it? And I actually tend to lean Yes, not maybe not us, but the public as a whole, just because of how many people I saw like saying that this is like it's a wrap. She's going to be champion. There is no question whether it's when she beats Valentina later this year or in, if it's in a few years, uh, she will be a champion. Now, if you believe that before this fight, it's obviously, you know, ho-hum for you and it's just supporting your argument. But if if this is the fight that made you go from uh Aaron Blanchfield like maybe be a contender in the flyweight division to oh my gosh it's cemented she's going to be a champion by the end of 2023 I think you're overrating this win then like incredible win I'm not taking right. one thing away from her incredible win but like if this is the thing that made you like oh it's done like she's she's champion then I do think you're overrating it a bit yeah I, I mean you made a very interesting point Ariel and I think it's a reason to kind of stop here and celebrate Jessica Andrade because like not a lot of people in her position with that ranking are taking one week notice fights to save a UFC card that really needed some damn help um and and risking a title opportunity because let's face it like if she if she won that fight she was in a title position for flyweight she was in a title position for strawweight maybe it's not the next thing but she she advances pretty quickly so yeah i think both sides of this Jessica Andrade and Aaron Blanchfield deserve a lot of credit for what they were able to to bring to that fight. It felt like, in, like an important fight, and it ended up being a more important fight for Aaron Blanchfield. But credit to Jessica Andrade, because to your point, not a lot of veterans are risking it in the way she did. It's usually the youngster who's coming in and saying, I'll take that fight against anybody at any time so that they can advance themselves. So shout out to Andrade as well. Can we also mention the fact that for the first time ever, I feel very confident in saying this. For the first time ever, women's flyweight 
is now the most interesting division in women's MMA. That has never been the case. It's always been the least interesting division. It's either been 135 or 115. 125 obviously is the third. Well, there's 45, but that's not a real weight class. But you know, looking at Invicta, it's 105, 115, 125, 135, 145. 125 has always been kind of like, what? what is this? There's one dominant champion and a bunch of people that they're just forcing into title fights. Now, all of a sudden, in my opinion, it is by far the most interesting one. It feels like there's the most amount of parity and there's all these new faces. Some of the names, Alexa Grasso, Manol Fioro, Tyler Santos is going to get another shot. Aaron Blanchfield, by the way, as we're doing this, and they usually come out on uh, Tuesday with the new rankings, is number 10 in the UFC rankings, right? She's not going to be number 10 um, much longer. But that just shows, you know, and we've got Casey O'Neill coming up. She is also going to be someone I think she's, you know, got some room to improve as well. Uh, Viviani Arujo. You compare it to 115, it's a lot of people who have had shots, who are, you know, it doesn't really feel like they're going to give Zhang Weili at the moment uh, a tough fight. 135, you know, Amanda has fought most of them. 145 doesn't really exist. Like, do, do you guys agree with that? GC, do you agree that this is by far the most interesting women's weight class, not only in the UFC, but really in the world? But like, let's just talk about the UFC right now, any promotion. Um, and it's not even close. And I don't even re- <laughs> remember a time that this was ever like even close. That one, t- like it was like thirty-five, fifteen, and then ten steps behind was twenty-five. When you first threw out the argument, my initial reaction was just to jump to one fifteen being just as competitive, and you know I kind of didn't agree. But once you broke it down like that. Uh, I'm in 100% agreement. I mean, just hearing all the names, the excitement surrounding it, you obviously have the longstanding champion in Valentina Shevchenko, who will eventually get her belt taken away from her, whoever the competitor may be. You have the Casey O'Neills coming up. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it is far and away the most uh, you know, enticing division in uh, women's MMA. I disagree, but I think the gap is at a point that it's closed that I did not expect, to your point. But I What's still the think most the, the most... The most talent and the most interesting is 115. It's just the best. It's just the best women's fighters. Um, you think and, so? And I think it gets a new coat of paint now that Zhang is the champion. Um, but to the point we were talking about earlier, both those divisions got hung up with title rematches. We don't need them yeah. all the time. Like, that's what happens. This is what happens when you let a division continue. Like, 125 got interesting because now we have contenders and now we have people fighting and now it's not just on hold for when's the next rematch between them who's getting the next title shot after the rematch happens like this is what happens and why i don't think that you need to have an immediate rematch for valentina should she lose i I really don't because this is what happens you get you get fresh matchups and you get fresh blood and you get fresh contenders uh but yeah i definitely did not see this coming for 125 to your point but for me 115 is still the glamour division true or false december 31st 2023 Valentina Shevchenko will be the women's flyweight champion of the UFC in New York, correct? I'm going to say true. Wow. I think true. GC? Yeah, I'm going to say true wow. because I am very biased and I have my Valentina Shevchenko future ticket. And, uh, you know, I preach the high heavens that uh, I wouldn't be taking Aaron Blanchfield plus a thousand or whatever it was. And uh, Can you still get yeah, that? It's, it's looking like. No, no, no. That number is long gone. If if any books even have it still posted, right. 
that number will be long gone. I would imagine it would be around like a plus 300, plus 250 range. It is definitely plummeted. Uh, so, yeah, out of bias, I'll say yes, Valentina Shevchenko will still be champion. All right. Uh, so interesting times. Uh, and it's fun that she is fighting in two weeks. So we'll get the answer to A, how's she looking? Was it an anomaly? All that stuff. And honestly, like I'm very curious about Grasso getting her first title shot. Finally, after all these years, I remember when she was brought in uh, to Invicta. I remember that that card the night before UFC 184, I think it was, Zingano and Ronda, right? Yeah. The Friday night. That, that, that was, was the one where Lorenzo yep. was there and it was Aldana and Grasso in LA. And they're like, this is the future right here. And it's Mexican MMA and all this stuff. And that was in 2015. Um, so, you know, it's yep. been actually it was February of 2015. So it's been eight years. That's crazy. That's right. Jeez yeah. Louise, we are getting old. And she was so young then. And she still seems so young now. Um, and Aldana is also yeah. kind of there. She's on the cusp of, of fighting for a title soon too. So, it took a while, but they got there. All right. So so that was the main event story. And unfortunately, another story on Saturday was uh, the new look Parlay Pals suffered a loss. What happened, GC? Tell us what happened. Uh, yeah, it's on me. I mean, I, I just got to take this one on the chin. Uh, I took Jordan Wright and Zach Palga under two and a half. Jordan Wright, you know, 18 professional fights, had never seen a third round in his career. Uh, I guess that was bound to change at some point. Uh, but I think it was the way that we lost it that was so frustrating. Uh, Zach Palga, I mean, Jordan Wright, if you've ever watched a Jordan Wright fight, it's usually fireworks. He usually goes in there, throws until someone goes out. Unfortunately, most of the time for him, it, it usually is him going out. And they come out just like that, start throwing. It, it seems like it's going to happen. And then Zach Palga just was was the clinch master. I mean, he was just... Uh, wall and stall. Uh, you know, he was doing some pretty good work with the elbows and everything, but yeah, it was just like anytime it felt like the fight was about to get exciting, he would grab Jordan Wright, push him up against the wall, and I believe he racked up like nine minutes of control time without having a single takedown. Um, so yeah, I can't lie, it was it was one of the more frustrating bets to watch lose. You know, you guys had already done your part, you guys had cashed your legs of the parlay, uh, so I knew I was letting it down. I also had it in another parlay, so it was just a double loser. Um, but yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, shout out to Zach Powell. Yeah, frustrating one, but it's okay. So that means New York Rick is back, right? New York Rick is back, baby. We got him back yeah. for UFC Vegas seventy. Oh, yeah. uh, get a nice little warm up before UFC uh, to a big one. Um, not to mention, also, you could also do Jake Paul and Tommy Fury, right? That's oh, right. Yeah. That's yeah. just uh... well, we'll see. <laughs> no, I mean it's. A little KSW next week? A little KSW next week? Oh, look at Frank. Yeah, yeah you can't because Frankie wants to take Jake Paul. He's the biggest problem child oh, fan on Oh, my gosh. Yes, uh, Todd Duffy. Well, we'll see. I mean, the lines will be different if he's fighting Mike Perry. You so still, you still feel like there's a chance. <laughs> oh, I feel like there's a chance. He's there. In the ring. He's already there. Yeah, so what? I have to say, I, I really like Who, this. Maybe, uh, they'll, maybe there'll be a medicine ball. Oh Who knows? I really like this Frank Slack. It feels like Frank, Mysterious Frank, has just become more yeah. mysterious because he has. Except, to except slack. the problem is, yeah. Funny enough, the audio guy had the messed that up. That is microphone true. Up. That is weird. Uh, the other problem is only weird, three dude. of us can appreciate the slacks. Um, we could reference them and, and <laughs> yeah. react to them, but everyone will be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Um, but yes, all right. So we can get back on track with those. And and uh, as we discussed, it does sort of feel like this is like the last kind of subpar weekend as far as UFC MMA is concerned, um, before we get to the good stuff. Also, by the way, uh, Bellator in Dublin. 
That's right. Oh, yeah. 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 I think so Logan Storley. Yep. Uh, versus Yamaslav. Yes. Yamaslav. Yes. Um, well, uh, since we're talking about all this, you want to go through how the whole weekend went. And before I before I uh, pass it off to you, let me say that today's program, as always, it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, how'd you do, GC? All right, so uh, the overall recap is I literally broke even uh i i I don't know if we've had this before maybe one time uh but it feels like such a losing week uh because i let down the parlay pals one uh and two i started the night five and oh uh start out i get the flyweight under i mean easiest easiest bet in all sports at this point it's it's just getting laughable uh i hit another under from there the lee wood fight is going on i cashed both those lee wood to get knocked down fight to end in round seven through 12 plus through 20 i'm feeling great uh we've got we've got two legs of the parlay pals down i've got another leg of a two-leg parlay down like i'm i'm feeling quite good i'm like oh this this feels like it's going to be one of those weeks where you know five six seven units up we start getting back in the green we start putting thing in the rear view nope don't want another bet after that uh and i end up dead even no units won no units lost but uh, it sure does feel like a losing weekend. Oh, what just happened? You slammed the table. Nah, or something? I dropped my phone. I dropped my phone. Man. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, I knew the second that slipped He's down, down. there was that was going to sound yeah. worse, especially as I'm recapping a uh, a nil nil weekend. Yeah, man, it started off as a great one. I mean, can we just talk quickly <sighs> about uh, Nottingham Forest and uh, Man City? I mean, there I am watching with my son, who's a Man City fan. My oh. other son. Nottingham Forest fan, and it was it was it was very tense. And let's be honest, it should have been four nil in the second half. I mean, they were dominating. I was at the game in August. 
They win 6-0. And what happens at the world-famous city ground? Chris Wood comes on as a substitute and freaking ties it up, and the place goes apeshit. It's one, it's it's legit one of the most exhilarating sporting moments that I have witnessed in the last 10 years. I was going nuts. One son was going nuts. The other son was not going nuts. And the place was going crazy. And I thought, all right, now Lee Wood's going to go in there. And this is going to go down as one of the great Nottingham moments. Uh, I can't claim to be one of the, the, the great historians when it comes to Nottingham sports moments. But I would put it up there. Unfortunately, he didn't win, but you, you, you know, you won your best. Shout, shout out to to Lee Wood having the the Forest logo on his pants. That was fire, and he did have a good start. Oh, legend. Like, he, he had some good rounds. You could even argue that he was winning some of those rounds before he ended up getting knocked out. I, I think he was. Yeah. winning. I think on the scorecards he was up. Yeah, I yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. One, also, good. No, I was just gonna say shout out to his uh, corner and in, in particular Ben Davison for stopping the fight when they did. And I know it was a little bit debated because, you know, how much time was left. But I don't think that matters. Same with a referee. It shouldn't matter for a ref. It shouldn't matter with a corner. If a fight needs to be stopped, it needs to be stopped. It doesn't matter if there's five seconds left, six seconds left, 10, 15, a minute. You stop the fight. And again, I'll say this a million times. I wish we would see more of this in MMA. We never see it ever. Mid-fight, we, we you know, the only time I could really think of it mid-fight was Nick Diaz doing it with Nate Diaz, and they didn't even pay attention when he did it. He threw the towel um, when Nate fought Josh Thompson. I, I, th- I think it did happen in the early days. It happens from here. You know, like, New York Rick, can you think of one? I, I know it's happened in between rounds. Yeah, I think I think there was recent ones. Didn't, like, Montoya do it or so, somebody did it? There was there was mid-round? Yeah, I think so. I think there was – I can't uh, – honestly, has I can't happened. off the top of my head. Definitely it's happened – not that many times, but it's happened in between rounds. Mid-fight, mid-round, very rarely happens. Happens all the time in boxing. And so, you know, takes a lot of I, chutzpah to do that. And I think the optics of it are what are what hurts it because he beats the count, right? Because it's like the fight yeah. is about to restart and then the towel yeah. comes in. If he had thrown it, if he had thrown the towel in before the count was even over... I don't think anybody even be talking about it because that was a gnarly knockdown. Like, I don't even think there'd be much of a discussion. You didn't like you didn't like the call. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying optically. Right. He beats the count and then the towel comes in. Right. So now the the fighter and the public is thinking like, oh, he was ready to fight. He, he had his faculties to him just because he beat the count, which I don't agree is necessarily the, the determining factor. But if that towel came in when he's on the canvas and they don't wait to see if he beats the count then I think nobody's even talking about it because he got, he got rocked. He got absolutely mm-hmm. leveled. Um, but I think the optics of it are a little bit weird, but to your point, like I got no problem with a, with a corner saying let's fight another day. I, I think that is, that is something that a corner should be doing more. Um, and I have no issue with it. I'm sure the fighter, you know, might we've seen it before, right? Deontay Wilder didn't love that corner, that towel coming in right. from Mark Breland. Like we we've seen this before. We've seen what happens sometimes um, with that relationship, but I've personally got no problem with it as an outsider. I'm not the fighter, right? I'm not in there. I'm okay with, with a corner making that call to, to fight another day. You're going to say something. GC? Uh, yeah. I am mean, just I have to agree with Rick. I mean, he really did get leveled. He was out. I don't know what he would have yeah. had to offer uh, after that. I, the, what I did have to say was back on the UFC and it, it was just about, about William Knight's performance, which was, oh. I mean, if you watched, Please. if you watched the card last night, I mean, William Knight comes in there, light heavyweight. You mean yes, Saturday night? Saturday night, uh, definitely Monday. 
and uh, comes in there. Big as can be looking just like you talk about looking good off the bus. He looked absolutely phenomenal. He's pounding his chest. He's looking like he's ready to go. And then uh, he throws eight strikes over or he lands eight strikes over 15 minutes. I, I think his round by round was like three strikes, four strikes, one strikes. And he let Marcin Pragnio land 68 leg kicks, um, 63 leg kicks. It was it was one of the all time like I just like do nothing performances I have I have witnessed. Yeah. It overall, I mean, it was a pretty uh forgettable card other than the main event. I mean the the Myra Buena Silva um <laughs> what? I'm agreeing with you. Yes. It was it was in a, he, that, that's a, oh, okay. I think he's yes, laughing because that's an understatement. One like, of it was the one most of the, forgettable oh, yeah, cards yes, yes. I've ever watched in ten months. I I won't even remember one single of these fights happened except the main event. The, there have been there have been worse because I think the the, the performance yeah. in the main event was so impressive that it will. I mean, there there's been some bad, you know like the Norma Dumont Aspen Lad cards of the world. That, I think that's that'll always be the upper the top echelon. Yeah, uh, but like this will have impact on on title implications so. exactly. But it's because of the they don't. Remember the was it was it this weekend? Yeah, this yeah, was the card that was supposed was to be Cheeto. headlined by Cheeto and, and yeah. Corey Sanhagen. Once they don't once need, that, once that yeah. was removed, we could have just scrapped this card. Let let's just move this on. This is just this is we could have combined this card and next week's Good. card and had a They're pretty done. decent card. You couldn't. You know why? You know why? Because there's ESPN. a certain number that they have to hit yeah. to get their money from ESPN. They have to hit these numbers. So yeah. this and and as New York Rick has said a million times, as long as ESPN is okay with this. This is going to continue, and they've well, already said twofold. Dave Shaw already said it. He already as long said as the fans, continue. as long as the fans are also okay with it, and they're well, not, they're well, okay, these num they are still tuning in, and uh, then ESPN gets the message: okay, the fans are still going to tune in for these fight night cards, even if we put them at 10 p.m. Eastern time with Derek Lewis in the main event. The, uh, the fans continue to tune in. ESPN then says, okay, we don't care what UFC is giving us, as long as the fans continue to tune in, and it's just never ending cycle of. Really, the one thing really I would love, cards. yes, but the one thing I would love, and I've never been the guy to be like, oh, they should say this at the press conference, they should ask this question, um, but I wish someone would ask in some sort of way, why? What is the reason you, you, you succeeded, you grew, you evolved, you expanded, doing 43 or so shows for the last few years all over the world? What is the reason for continuing to do Apex shows? We know the reason. They realize that they're saving yeah, save a, a lot of money. money. They don't have to sell tickets. They don't have to worry. They could put on these very subpar, lukewarm, mid, as the kids like to say, <laughs> to be kind, cards. Um, but just tell us. Can you just tell us? Because you can no longer hide behind the pandemic, which is you know obviously the great no. irony in all of this because they were the ones saying that we need to come out and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so tell us, what is the reason why you're doing this? Why is this okay? Why is no one else doing sports like they were doing it in 2020 except for you guys? Why are you still doing it? Is it because you you realize that you can make a lot of money and save a lot of money, whatever? Then please tell us because they've yet to do that. And unless you guys have heard someone say that, no one I, has yet to I say that. I thought Dave Shaw said that. Did he say that? Maybe I'm. What do, I think he said that in the in the post fight, or or alluded to something to that effect. Yeah. But either way, I, I think your point is fair. Like, don't get me wrong. I I agree with your point. I think it's fair. And by the way, it should come from Dana, not Dave Shaw. To be honest, I agree with that. But yeah, it, I mean, we all know the answer. It's it's the money. There's there's no reason if 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 the fans are voting with their dollars and saying we like this fight card that we just saw on Saturday night, they're gonna keep giving it to you. 
they're just going to keep giving it if to i'm you. a top level fighter at this point i'm just saying no to one of these cards i'm absolutely saying no to one of these cards you know like i'm not i mean enough, there's some know. fighters who want that mm. who 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 want the don't want the pressure now you're talking like pay-per-view headliners yeah of course no you no, don't no. Like do if that. i'm a cheeto i'm like no way man like put me in a crowd. Yeah, but he's a he's he's a he's a performer, right? There might there are probably some fighters. I mean, Kevin Holland spoke about it. He loves the Apex. You know, like How's there's something how, how how would a guy like him who is such a performer love the Apex? What the hell? Well, I think maybe it's a little bit of sentimentality, right? Like he made he cut he his had, bones yeah. there, he cut his teeth there, he made his bones there and 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 got it. But there's some fighters who I think will appreciate who appreciate the closed atmosphere. If you're not good at handling the crowd, if you're not good at handling that pressure, yeah, there's probably some fighters who appreciate it. But yes, like if you're Cheeto Vera, a showman of all showmen, and want to be in front of a raucous crowd, and you see him putting his San Antonio jerseys on every week and doing all these different things, like he wants that atmosphere. If you're that person, then yeah, this is a this is not the environment for that. I th- I think there are some fighters who do in- who do want that though. There, it's low stakes, yeah, right? It's lower fighters, pressure. Tough fighters, but not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's it's cost-saving. There's no... We, we can pr- stop pretending here. Speaking of the Ultimate Fighter, there's only other, like, two pieces of news that has happened uh, since we last spoke, to be honest. It's been a pretty quiet last few days. One of them is this story regarding the Ultimate Fighter and Conor McGregor. I heard about this on Wednesday... Or maybe no, it was Wednesday night, where you've heard about this, I'm sure, New York Rick. Um, yeah, where apparently three fighters were uh, taken off the show because Connor came in with his own set of fighters and said, "Like, I want these guys on the show." And then three fighters had to, um, you know, get removed. And I was told that they were, you know, out and about. Pi Apex, very upset, very sad about all this. Um, that story continued on Friday when our old friend Danny Rubenstein, manager to the stars, took to Twitter. I love that term, took to Twitter, as opposed to just tweet it. <laughs> um, uh, the man in the hat, Chuck Minnell, loves that term as well, and said that Ken Cross, Mitch Ramirez, and Brandon Jenkins all got pulled off to make room for three of Connor's guys to be on the show. Uh, this was in response to a t- tweet regarding all of this. And then um, even uh, Chris Curtis, and uh, Chris Curtis Burns spoke about it on Twitter or tweeted about it. And uh, Curtis even said that the rumor was quote unquote, definitely true, which prompted McGregor to respond to Curtis in a tweet that he later deleted. I'm not sure why. And what he wrote at the time was not true. I only know one guy on this show and he put himself forward for it. Um, and he is now, after today, set to fight the number one seed. I didn't ask nor request nothing, and I certainly didn't have people removed. I'm just trying to get back in the mix myself, so fuck off. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I don't know. I guess all this, you know, if in fact this is all captured as part of the show, I guess this is all very good for the show um, because it's just getting people talking, you know, is it three months before it's going to air on ESPN. I was just going to say, this is all academic at this point because at some point the cast list is going to come out and at some point we're going to know. Did did three guys get dumped for guys that were affiliated with Conor McGregor? Well, how would we know if we didn't know what the original list was? Well, because when that cast list comes out, we'll know who's on the cast and who's not on the cast. Now the people who are not sure. on the cast can be yeah. like, yeah, I was one of the people who was on the cast and now I'm not. It, it, it will be the secrecy, by the way, this is, is a- only because of the taping of it. Once Once this is out, 
there will be no ambiguity. You know what I would have done? I think this is a big miss. Now, I don't know how it all played out, how they handled it. If, if, if in fact, they were recording all this and there was, uh, I guess, 16 guys and Connor comes in and says, I want my three <laughs> yeah. guys, I would have done a mini tournament right there. I would have said like, all right, we've got, we're at a standstill here. Spot. Connor, you want your guys? These three guys here are going to be coached by Michael Chandler. We're, we're just going to do a mini tournament before the show starts and we're going to figure out which three guys are going to move on, right? Wouldn't that be high drama? On Wednesday, you guys have to weigh in. On Thursday, we're going to have three fights and and these guys now you want these guys bad and you want these guys out because i don't know how they picked the three guys yeah. that were removed if in fact they were removed if there's any truth to this whatsoever which by the way we should note connor is saying that there is no truth but there are multiple people saying that it's true if in fact this was true if they would have done like a mini tournament that would have been a fire way to start the whole damn thing a little drama chandler is now like guys you gotta fight for your spot i think it would have been incredible who knows? Maybe they did it. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we don't know. Maybe yeah. they did do it. Maybe they did do it. Also, I'm just like, I'm having trouble getting upset about the guy who this entire show is built around picking his three guys and yeah. and that not being okay. Like, if it's not Conor McGregor, like, no one's, no okay. one's even yeah. batting this is This is a Conor McGregor production at this point. Like, yeah. if he picks yes. his three guys, God bless. I'm okay with it. By the way, that actually would have been a good gimmick too. It, Let him come to freaking Vegas with eight dudes on his jet and be like, this is my fucking team, all right? I'm picking the team by the this way, time, all right? You know for a fact that that's what somebody like Nate Diaz would have done as well, right? Nate Diaz would have rolled up with all his guys and been like, these are the dudes that are on the show. I don't care who you cast. And actually makes it better because he has a connection to them. Now, look, I think we have to not be so callous to the people that lost their opportunity on Tough. Right. Like if there are truly people who lost their opportunity on tough, I'm not I'm not like trying to spit in their face. Like I feel bad that they did not Hopefully there can be a make good. Maybe if if this is actually played out the way it played out, maybe they get a shot on contender series or maybe they get a, a contract on a short notice thing, whatever that is. Hopefully there's a make good if if they did indeed lose their spot. But yeah, I can't get too mad about Conor McGregor, the one who is reviving this entire franchise, picking three guys if he did. I really can't get mad about that. So we'll see how that all plays out. The other big thing since we last spoke on Wednesday was, uh, I guess, more of this IV drama. Um, and and the only two little notes that I want to bring up is, you know, so number one, Ali Abdelaziz, who's the manager of Islam Khachev, comes out with this tweet and is like, hey, you dummies, just so you know, you can actually take two to three liters before the fight and you very clearly cannot. Uh, USADA has reminded us all that back in 2019, by the way, a little bit weird that they amended the rules. And like, to me, I feel like you amend a rule, you should make some sort of public announcement. (laughs) You know, like they just kind of slid that in there. It's almost (laughs) like going back and editing something. Like, when did you actually change this? If there's no actual proof or announcement of you changing it, when in fact did you guys change this? It's so weird. This whole USADA thing is so weird. Like how these rules just continue to change. Oh, (laughs) like we're sitting here. Clearly, CKB team had no idea that this was a rule change, right? Because they're all out, you know, upset over all this. But it, apparently in 2019, they changed that, you know, you could take, what is it, 150 liters, a milliliters. 100 milliliters. 100 milliliters, excuse me, every 12 hours if administered by a over. professional, blah, blah, blah. So so let me say a few things. One, I think oh. you're right about the it feels like maybe they did and it's like a terms and condition thing where like everybody just glossed no over read. it and nobody read it and you know dylan dennis with nfts whatever it is um so there's that and then 
there's the, I think there's also still currently some confusion around what those rules were kind of saying, which is that over the course of 12 hours, you can take a hundred milliliters of um, fluid. But I don't think that that is, and, and somebody who knows this better than me can correct me. I think that that's only, you don't need that to be administered by a professional. You can go above it's that over. 100 milliliter. Okay. You can go above that limit and take more if it is administered by a professional. Those are two separate um, instances of where you are allowed to take an IV, which is 100 milliliters, cool, over the course of 12 hours. If above that, deemed medically necessary and administered by a professional, that can be done as well and is legal. But to your point, this is all confusing. And if you're Alexander Volkanovsky, who's a champion of the UFC fighting to be a double champion, this is something that guy should probably be informed of or know, yeah. or everybody else on the roster should probably be aware of. So it's a mess. It's a mess. But I do believe- Are they changing the rules and not telling them? Like, what, what is going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't and, know. And by the way, why did they change the rules, right? Because they have often changed things as a result of something happening, right? Like they, yeah. They get well, we've passes- seen- Yes. We've also seen people suspended for IV use or, or not suspended, uh, maybe suspended, actually. I, I don't remember. I think BJ Penn had an IV situation. There, were, there was a few fighters. Also, I still don't even understand why it's illegal, to be honest. Um, if it's just to yeah, rehydrate, man. if it's to mask something else, then yes. Point is, Ali comes out and says two to three liters, which is wrong, and then deletes it. Two to three liters, by the way, is 2,000 to 3,000 milliliters. And then deletes it. But the best part is he was like so confident in his tweet. He's like, I'm going to show you guys and then deletes it. I don't know if he was just wrong or he was incriminating himself. Who the hell knows? Later on, Jeff Nowitzki is talking to Brendan Fitzgerald uh, on some podcast or something. I'm not really sure what that was. I think it might have been Brendan's show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fitz Nation. Something Shout like that. out. Uh, and is like, um, yeah, you know, the Australian Commission came out. And they had to blood test all the non-Australian fighters. Like, what is all this shit? Like, wh what? Yeah. This is all very weird. And clearly, well, uh, Volk had no in idea between about there, this. In between there, the Australian Commission issued a statement saying there was no conclusive evidence, right? That yeah. there was no conclusive evidence that they've been presented that somebody cheated. So that was one additional domino. Then, yes, Novitsky in this interview is saying, like, Australian Commission said that. So trust them on that. Cool. And then also the non-Australian fighters got blood tested. So like, that's why I guess the implication, right, is Volkanovsky's team may not know why Islam Makachev had a mark on his arm that many people online sure. were uh, talking about conspiracy theories um, to say that they were blood tested and that and that's where the, the potential bruising on the arm could come from. But again, this is all kind of like not clear, shadowy, happening like after nobody's the fact. kind of understanding. Also, what's up yeah, with, what's, what's up with what's like happening? the Australian fighters not getting blood tested and the, like what is that all about? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't related to competition, right? It was something about their travel. I don't know. I I don't know. Oh, I, don't so know. Weird. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the, the thing though. Here's the bottom line. At this point, I think that the team and and, and Volk has only said the one thing on this show in passing before all of this started. And again, Eugene, which I knew was going to happen, people still said that he was complaining. Like, I asked him the question at the very, very end. I think they just have to to let it go at this point, right? Like, you can't, I don't know. It, it just, it's not Vogue's style. Feels yeah. like nothing's going to happen. Well, 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 I think it's fair to say, what is 
their argument, right? Like what has happened that they can deem was clearly was they have some sort of information. Illegal cheating. Or by the cheating. way, the other thing that isn't brought up, Zubaira Tahugov is There's on nothing. that team. And so it is possible, yeah. which I think Eugene alluded to this. Yeah. Eugene suggested and he had that, trouble yes. making weight, obviously. So, um, you know, is it a case of he suggested there's yeah. more than there's more than one person in that room, right? We don't know what's happening in that room unless somebody tells us what's happening in that room and shows us what's happening in that room. But yeah, I mean, without as we said when Dan Hooker made his very very right. first tweets, it's up to them to prove it. They need to prove that yeah. something happened. They need to show us that something happened and they've yet they they have not been able to do that as of yet. So unless they can do that, I think you have to you have to move and on. And speak but that to, to me, like that's still a great fight. Like why? It's do, like it, this, you know, I'm you know, okay you know, with you know what this, you know what this is going to be. This IV stuff. This is going to be BJ Penn GSP UFC 94 with the greasing. The greasing. It was a thing that happened in the aftermath. Yeah. People got all up in arms, and uh, of course that fight wasn't as close as this fight, but still. And 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 then we all kind of moved on and, and forgot about it. I do think though. I will neither confirm nor deny how yeah, how sure much I believed that at the time. You freaking Mark. <laughs> um, I, I, I will say, though, uh, the more I sort of chew on this and talk to people, I'd be very, very surprised if they run this one back um, right away, uh, only because of the timing. Um, you've got Ramadan coming up. I don't think we see Islam until later on in the year, summertime later on because of Ramadan, which is, you know, in a couple months. That's one month, and you got to get back on track. Volk wants to stay busy. He likes to fight three or so times a year. He's got Yair waiting there. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we see Volk in May or June or something like that, and and that wouldn't work yeah. out. So I think that the timing doesn't work out. He takes this fight and then you know revisits, and I still don't understand why Benil Darius is fighting Charles Oliveira. It's still a great fight. I just think that he could take the title shot now. I would be very, very surprised if A, they get this one in before Ramadan because they've already set their schedule and B, if both men, actually, maybe not for Islam, but if, if Vogue's next fight is against Islam Khachev, I would be very, very surprised of that. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, let me tell you guys about my weekend since we've been talking all this time here and I've got some stories to share. This has been an incredible weekend. And I often in in my in my career use the term surreal. Um, but this is up there. I mean, I've been talking about Elimination Chamber. I've been talking about Montreal. And just so you all know, like for the most part, I wasn't kayfabing. By Wednesday of last week, I kind of knew that I was coming. But prior to that, I, I wasn't like lying to all of you. I really didn't. It really all started. So I'm at Royal Rumble. And that was incredible. Sami Zayn hits Roman Reigns with the chairs. Unbelievable moment. And now it's like, wow, Montreal, they're going to. And then the next week on SmackDown, it's going down to Montreal. And I'm sitting there and I had no plans at that point to come. And I was like, man, I really feel like I need to be there. Like I've been at, you know, all the big GSP fights in Montreal. It's my city. I haven't been here in a while. Um, this is great. This is great. So I was at the Survivor Series. I was at this. I was at that. So I just tweeted out like, man, I really can, feel like I need to be there. Um, yes. Can I just ask a question about Montreal? Like, have they been back or was this the first time they've been back in a long time? Like, did they've they do done smaller house shows, shows and, and Raw and SmackDowns, but the last pay-per-view that was here but was not the pay-per-view live event, as they call it now, uh, was uh, yeah. 2009, 2009. <laughs> Okay, there's so only it's been, been a three long time for like the big pay-per-views, premium live events here. It was uh, Survivor Series '97, No Way Out 2003, of course, 
uh, GC remembers this one. I think it's one of your favorite matchups. Uh, the Rock and <laughs> Hogan 2, one of the big ones. And uh, the re- Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. If you didn't say it, I was going to have the rematch. Some, you know, three, uh, yeah. Icon versus Icon. Are you kidding me? And then uh, 2009 Breaking Point. So this was the fourth. And so I, I tweet that, and that's that. Then a few days later, and, you know, I, yeah, I, I'll tell you the majority of it. Uh, I get a text like, you know, are you coming to Elimination Chamber? Do you want to do this then? I was like, Man, I was thinking about it. I actually even had an idea for something. And uh, all right, the idea was that I would write an essay about what this means to Montreal because I don't think that anyone who isn't from Montreal could properly verbalize what this means to us or what this meant to us. Even the great WWE packages that they do, I don't. Th- those would be just about Roman and Sammy, but I wanted to explain to people why this meant so much to us. Because just a quick his- history lesson, you know, Montreal was forever the 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 crown jewel part in the pun of um of canada for, for for several years the 60s 70s like we had this expo 67 we had the 76 summer olympic games we got the expos first the canadians were on top and then because of politics and economy and all this stuff uh we actually went below toronto and then you know in the last i don't know 15 or so years we went below vancouver as well and so montreal has kind of been forgotten about like Look at the World Cup. We weren't even consideration to host any of that. You know, it was Vancouver, Toronto, Edmonton was in consideration for the World Cup in 2026. So, you know, it, it has felt for a while like Montreal has been forgotten about and no longer the apple of, of Canada's eye. So that that was a big deal. Also, Canadian wrestling has always been a big deal, but it's very rarely been one of our own at the top, right? Like the GSP days. It's very rarely been one of our guys. It's been a Canadian at the top or just a big event with Hogan, Rock, whatever, but not one of our own. Sami Zayn, one of our own. He's from NDG. He's from 15 minutes away from the Bell Center. One of our own, this guy who was skinny, who didn't look the part along with Kevin Owens, like, you know, made a name for themselves here in Montreal, local shows competing, you know, against each other in front of a hundred people and bars and all this stuff. So it's just a beautiful story. And I, and I want to tell that. So I wrote that package in... I kid you not, 10 minutes. I, I They are like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. Brrr, easy. Sent it off. Wrote the package. Sent it off. Didn't really hear anything back. And then was debating like, should I follow up on this or not? I'm not really sure what the play is here, you know, because I don't want to seem too eager beaver, but I just wanted to know what was going on. And that's when I was like, am I going to this or not? Then follow up because I was like, Effort YOLO. And they were like, oh, yeah, of course, we're going to do that. I was like, oh, cool. So I voiced it. And this is just a couple of days ago now. Wheels go in motion, voice it, go to the event, come to Montreal, bring my family. By the way, shout, have you guys been to the LaGuardia Airport? <laughs> Holy the new. shit. Oh, it's I so haven't nice. been to LaGuardia. Yeah, the new one is so nice. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. What the hell? I knew they were renovating yeah. it i didn't realize the whole thing was getting like this insane facelift it's it's a different it's it's a top three airport right now oh yeah it's not even just a facelift they rebuilt the damn thing like it's a completely new airport far oh, and away God. the best not new even york close. airport now it used to be it used to be a dump newark, oh, yeah. newark, newark, newark close second pound pound. no now close i would second. say like LaGuardia. it's LaGuardia, and then <laughs> eight nine is yes Massive gap, yes, massive gap in the Newark and, and JFK. Can I ask about the the delay? Like, 
So what were you thinking before the follow up? Oh, because it feels like it happened right before. Like you follow up, I'm and ner- then it's I'm like nervous. Where you getting? Well, well, it's also just like, oh yeah, we're doing that. It's like maybe I should know that. Maybe you could have told me that I we're th- doing thought, it. I, like I thought, the powers that be hated it and were just like ignoring me. <laughs> yeah, I thought no, they hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, they yeah, wouldn't yeah, be like, no, yeah, yeah. Not, we're not doing. Yeah, I thought they hated it done. and like didn't have the heart to tell me it sucked. So I was like, fuck, I blew that. Because I really want it meant a lot to me. Like I said, I love this city. I want to put the city yeah. back on the map. I went to all these events in Montreal. I freaking like it's the first thing I loved. I had all the toys, all the stuff that I talked about. So I was like, fuck, I blew it. Damn it. Um, but then it now did you did you write it and send it to it. them? Or wrote did it. you voice it and send it? Yeah, because like if I go the step of voicing, okay, right, it's a little right, bit right. weird. Just wrote the script. Yeah, a little, pres- yeah, little presumptuous. Yeah, I was never that. That weird. That'd be like, you know, showing up to the party in this nice outfit and Yeah, but they they now in hindsight, they probably would have appreciated yeah, but I didn't know if they liked they, it or not. They didn't tell you, but they're already moving forward with it. Yeah, just take I, it. I didn't know if they just liked take it. The so, voice. We're doing it. So here's the thing. I have, you know, I have had conversations in the past with uh WWE about doing stuff. In fact, I did the Extreme Rules package. Back in October, the one that DC was involved in. And I've said mm-hmm. this, I think, on another show. I don't think I talked about it here. Um, I wrote the packet. No, that one I didn't write. I, I, I did some tweaks, but they, they wrote that one. I voiced that one. Um, and they were like, okay, yeah, cool. We'll pay you for this. And I said no, because, you know, I, you know, I, I just, I, ever since the UFC thing and Fox back in the day, I have been very careful about working for any promotion. Uh, I don't care what it is. You know, Glory has asked me to do things. PFL has asked me. Bellator has asked me. You know, I've been lucky enough and I'm always flattered and honored, but I just want to just, I just don't want any conflicts in my life. And when I did that, you know, I was talking to some people and there'd be, and they were telling me like, you're stupid. Why? What, what, what is, what is, what is the issue here? And after some soul searching and thinking, came to the realization that I am not a wrestling journalist. I have never called myself a wrestling journalist. I don't report on wrestling like others do, day-to-day stuff, the beat stuff. I don't have a site. I don't have a show. I do interview wrestlers. I enjoy it tremendously. I try to think and act like a journalist when I do these interviews, but I am not a wrestling journalist. Um, I obviously have relationships with people there because Nick Khan, CEO, was my agent, all that stuff. I can't hide from that. But, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure which direction I should go here. What should I do? And then I came to the conclusion that in life, especially post ESPN, I just want to have fun. I just want to do fun things. I just want to, by the way, you know, pardon me for like bearing my soul to you guys here, but you know, this is the time to do it, I guess. So bear with me. Um, I just want to have fun. I want to do fun things, you know, and you know, Let us hear New York Rick in particular, like I've been a fan. I was a fan. I wasn't a fan. I was in, I was out, but it's fun. It's different. And people tell me like they see the joy when I talk about it, right? I was watching with my kids. Yeah. Um, It's sort of when I I talk about- other things that I'm a fan of, right? The Bills, the Knicks, not like these are fun things. MMA is the job and I love it, but we know how the sausage is made and there's some ugliness and all this stuff. So I came to the conclusion around December, like if an opportunity comes up again, I'm going to take it. Uh, back when I started my um, like career post-college, I actually spoke to Jeff Jarrett, who was running TNA through a recommendation from Kurt Angle. Um, about being a member of the creative team. This is before I was even doing, you know, any to- type of like MMA. Job. I was I was trying to figure out my life, and 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 Jeff 
called me because he said that Kurt said that I reminded him of Brian Gewertz, who was the longtime WWE writer, The Rock's right-hand man. I think it's just because we both went to Syracuse and went to Newhouse, but he put in a good word. It didn't work out. They wanted me to move to Nashville. I'm glad it didn't work out. But like, this has always been a bucket list thing for me, like to work in the rest, Kiawani, this, that, what am I going to, like, it's, it's always been a bucket list thing for me. So I made a promise to myself without seeking it. If, if this opportunity came up again, I would seriously consider it because life is too short. I want to have fun. At the end of the day, I'm not working for a Bellator. I'm not working for a, like, I'll, I'll break the fourth wall. I don't give a fuck. Like Bellator asked me to do something for the February 4th show. And, you know, I just, they wanted me to host the presser and this and that. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that in MMA. You know what I mean? And, and even in boxing, like I'm not a boxing guy, but it's closer to MMA. MMA is the thing that I'm not going to break that rule. I will never break that rule unless I fully decide to like change everything and I'm going to go work for a promotion and, you know, take over. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not a wrestling journalist. And I think that people are confusing me from my role in MMA to the role. It's not the same. All things aren't equal here, but fine. I get it. I interview guys. I, I, uh, you know, I'll mention things here and there. I'm not really a breaking news dude. Um, so in any event, this opportunity comes up. It's Montreal. It's back home. It's an incredible story that's close to my heart. And I was just like, I'm not going to say no, because who am I saying no for? For some dude online who's going to tell me how to live my life, who's, who's, who has nothing to do with me, who couldn't give two shits about me if I died today, he ain't showing up to my funeral? Or am I going to do this for me, for what makes me happy, for what gives me joy, for what you know gives me satisfaction? Back at home, 1991, I was at the Montreal Forum as a little kid watching this, playing with my toys. Like, what the fuck? Why am I going to say no to this? So I said yes. And this time I said, you know what? I am going to get paid. So just for everyone out there, you know, oh, he's got, I am going to get paid. But the reason I didn't say it beforehand was because I didn't want to like ruin the surprise or whatever the fuck it was. I wanted it to be organic and fun uh, as of right now. I haven't been paid, but you get the point. You know, like I agreed to it. Um, so unless they decide to not pay me because I sucked, uh, which is fine. I, I might've been fired, but I will get to that in a moment. Anyway, so I, I, I voiced the thing. I come to Montreal when was it? Friday morning. And I go to the arena. And again, this is the Bell Center, which by the way, crazy. First UFC event that I was credentialed for was UFC 97 at the Bell Center. It's like, it's amazing how Montreal is just always in my, you know, my orbit, right? Even when I'm gone. And so I come back, I go to the Bell Center. I'm kind of nervous. I actually, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. No idea. And, and I know that like, this is the, like, I'm a freaking tiny bit player in all of this. They've got a huge show. And I said to my wife, I'm just going to wear jeans and like my Nike SBs. And she's like, no, show up, you know, show up for the part. Like this is wrestling. This is your, so like get dressed. So I brought a suit, I brought a couple of suits, but I brought like one just in case. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up, you know, dressed to impress. So I just showed up in my suit and uh, not knowing what I was, I was just coming to like, cause it's there. You know, I did, I did my thing. I did the essay and I see someone there. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, since I'm in the biz now, I'm going to keep kayfabe for a little bit. I see someone there who's like, whoa, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm just here, you know, just checking out the boys in the back. And he's like, this is a great thing. You're the Montreal guy. We're in Montreal. It's SmackDown. We need to let people know that this is a big deal for Montreal. You voiced that thing. That was great. But like, you're the man of the people. We need to put you in the crowd with the people and explain why this is a big deal and compare it 
from a sporting standpoint because you're the sports guy to GSP to the Canadians. And I was like, you mean like on the actual broadcast? Like, I didn't know this. This is like four o'clock now. You know what I mean? Unbelievable. I was like, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, are you like, so that now all these things are running through my mind. Like, oh my God, on the broadcast, like, am I doing this? Am I really going, am I going two feet in? Holy shit, this is nuts. That's all happening. I see Sami Zayn. The idea is kicked around like, oh, we spoke in San Antonio. So much has changed a month later. Let's do it again. We do a quick little sit. That's like all these things. And so now I'm getting everything that we've heard about, about backstage. I'm, I'm feeling it. And it's, there's, there's action and there's people. And I'm in this spot. And I'm seeing this familiar face and this person and that person. And hello. And oh, I saw your interview. I'm like, what is, this is surreal shit. This is the type of shit that I don't care if you want to call me a fanboy, a mark. Like I've always wondered what this world was like. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun to see it to experience it, to see how the magic happens, to see this guy and they're doing this and talking about this. So it was amazing. And it was Bell Center. We're in an empty arena and I'm just seeing it and it was just so much fun. And uh, yeah, it was it was, it was was incredible. Um, I get to do that. The show starts. They ask me what I'm going to say. They give me a lot of, you know, trust. I, I have to give a shout out to Paul Levesque, Triple H. Like he's the guy who made this happen, who went to bat for me, who said yes to me on TV, like incredible. Um, I don't care what anyone says about him. He's a mensch, salt of the earth guy and very, very welcoming and kind to me. And um, I do the the first hit, sends me a text, happy with it. Great job. I'm feeling amazing, feeling incredible. Like it was just so exhilarating amongst my people, right? Like just, it was, it was, it was surreal. Yeah. Describe, describe the moment. Oh, yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you haven't seen it, describe what's happening in, on the TV spot. So they, they, okay. So they tell me at this point to do this. Like I, I, I was just having, I was texting you a little bit. Like I was just having so much fun and I'm yeah. sorry, but there's like 90% of the stuff right now that I'm not telling you because I don't want to piss anyone off, but <laughs> I, just please know that I was on club nine. Oh, by the way, can I just take a step back? My dad dropped me off. Um, at the arena, my dad, who I love dearly, who uh, is an immigrant from Egypt, who used to get mad at me every time I would watch pro wrestling um, as a kid with my toys. When he, you know, he would he would come down and see me watching the Undertaker. For some reason, he didn't like the Undertaker. He was like, "Why are you watching this? This is stupid. You're a you're a smart boy. You shouldn't watch this stupidity." And I was like, "Dad, I love this stuff." And he would get mad, and it would it would it would get to the point where like I would hear his steps and I would change the channel. Like I was like truly doing something bad just because I didn't want him to get mad at me. But did it also make you want to watch it more? I wasn't, I wasn't a defiant kid. I just didn't want the conflict. I didn't want him to be disappointed. Yeah. You loved it yes. and just didn't want him loved to be. Loved it. I like, I yeah. had all the toys. Anyway, the fact that my dad drove me and dropped me off and I could tell very proud of me. I was like, dad, like, I was about to say, what did he say? Uh, well, you know, he's a man a few there? words and we were talking about, I was just like, man, 30 years ago, you were telling me not to play <laughs> with this stuff. I'm going to work for WWE for one night only. Like, this is crazy. In Montreal, in our hometown, like where I was born. Yeah. This is crazy shit. I'm sorry. This is crazy shit. And uh, and, and he was just like, as long as the Undertaker's nah, not there, nah, we're he's all cool. good. He was very proud. Um <laughs> He's a big fan of Nick Khan's because he knows that like he helped me in my career. So like now it's it's a whole yeah. different thing. And uh 
Yeah, it means a lot, a lot yes, more to him now that exactly. it's personal and not just do do. And my on mom, TV. of course, is one hundred percent in support because she loves everything that I do. So I'm there. It's amazing. I'm getting a look at all of it. I I, I feel bad. I have to say, okay, the other person was Paul Heyman. No one would be surprised. Watching him work backstage, <laughs> like I got a master class. I feel like I needed to pay him for this. He really helped me out and couldn't have been nicer. And just like little things, guys, can I just tell, like, he's telling me little things that I would never think of. And, and it's just, like, I was telling him what I would say. So to your point, the first one was, I was in this, I said, I was in this building for every single one of George St. Pierre's title defenses. And um, the atmosphere here is bigger than all of that. And Montreal's ready for a winner again and blah, 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 blah. And I was going over this with him. And he's like, a building is something you live in. That's your apartment. That's not special. That's not unique. You're in this arena. You're in this legend. And I was like, I would never think of that. But that's how Paul Heyman thinks, right? I mentioned belt. I mentioned belt. He's like, a belt is something you put around your waist. He's going for the championship. And he's saying like this. I'm like, you're incredible. I love all of this shit. This is amazing. Like the psychology is just incredible. So that's the first one that I do. And among the people, and and by the way, in Montreal, I've never really felt the love because maybe it's the French thing or whatever. Everyone's like, Hiawani, what's going on? 10-7. I feel like, like everyone's shouting me out because no one, I guess, really expected me. I feel like you're too, you're you're so excited right now that you're not properly like not setting the table. the table here to explain like you're you're not de- describing the scene. You're amongst, amongst a sea, of, sea people. of people. Like you're not talking about what actually By the way, happened lie. amongst the sea lie. of people. I'm they all standing come around with the microphone. Like, what's going on? Yeah, everyone's like, it's like a mosh pit. I'm on the floor live. And Michael Cole's going to toss it to me. And I'm going to say this thing that I yeah. kind of prepared, didn't prepare. And, and, and then I got a great piece of advice. Like, don't go long. Keep it short. Sweet, simple. It's like, okay, don't go long. Don't fuck it up. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't stumble on your words. And so the first one's great. You know, I said I compared it to GSP because that felt right. Fight night, our guy, Montreal, compared to GSP. Yeah. Did you did you know that GSP no. would be there the next night no. when you No, had isn't that amazing? That? Okay. So that is wow. the the yeah. most amazing part. Wow. So that is great. Then I walk back, I go through Gorilla, which is crazy. Gorilla, by the way, GC is like the spot where they all sit before you walk out. Like this is like hallowed ground. I do not belong here. But this is like the spot before. And everyone talks about it. It's called Gorilla Position in honor of the late, great Gorilla Monsoon, who was a longtime play-by-play guy and was like one of the founding fathers of WWE. So they called Gorilla in his honor. But this is like where all the magic happens, where Vince used to sit, where Triple H sit. And so I'm there. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? How is this happening? I've never been there before. I've never been there before. I don't even know what to compare it to. Never been there before. And so I feel great. And I made a point to not look at my phone, not tweet it, not not plug it, not promote it, not tease it. I just wanted to live in the moment. But then for a second, because I had like an hour, I did look at the phone because I just wanted to know if people were watching. I don't know. And I see this fucking tweet from Tony Khan. And I swear to God, I looked at it like three times and thought it was fake. I thought it was fake. <laughs> Because, you know, anyone can have a, a, a blue check, right? I was like, there is no uh, way. This guy doesn't verified. follow me. Yeah. He's never anyone tweeted me. There is no way that he actually tweeted this. Number one, proving that he was watching, A, which is bizarre. Why would you do that? Why would you put the competition over and show that you're watching some <laughs> random SmackDown and a random moment in the, uh, in the telecast? Number two, putting down his own guy in the process. Your guy, GC, the great Tony Schiavone, Atlanta sports legend. Calling me a fraud, 
and then saying that I am as much of a journalist as Tony Schiavone. Now I'm trying to think like, what, what is the point that he is trying to prove here? He is trying to say that Schiavone isn't a journalist, which by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, GC, as an Atlanta guy, doesn't he kind of have a little bit of respect as like a media dude? Like I, I never knew Tony <laughs> Schiavone is the wrestling guy. That was later told to me. He used to come on the radio in Atlanta, and I was just like, Tony Schiavone. And then when I was like 16 or 17, that's when I found out it's like, oh, yeah, he's massive in the world of pro wrestling. But he that. has respect, right? People love him, admire him, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not he was, known as he, like a doofus. No, definitely not a doofus. I mean, he was always mixed into like Atlanta news radio throughout my childhood. News radio. So this guy's calling me a fraud, and then he's saying – Tony Schiavone is as much of a journalist as me. I guess so trying I've, to imply that like he's not a real journalist and I'm not a real journalist. I've Why had time insult to think your about own guy this. in the process. Please go ahead. I've had time to think about this. What he's saying is Tony appears on our television show and he is presented as this interviewer. You are now equivalent. You are you are appearing on their television show and you are doing this. But the implication is that neither of you is is journalistically sound. Now he again he's he's why why take a shot at your own guy? I don't get it. I, it just doesn't make sense. You could have said but that, that in is, a million different ways, right? That's the comparison. Is like on our show, you're as you're you're equivalent to this level of of interviewing that's happening on our show as well. Is my read on it after sure. thinking about it. I mean, the the real thing he should have done was not say anything because number one, why are you putting over? you know, the, the, the competition's broadcast, your show is coming up. Nice little cheeky hashtag there um, on the tweet <laughs> as well. But like this shit, I mean, you talk about an own goal um, and, and, and I know Fulham's having a bit of a better season. They certainly haven't had a great run with the cons involved, but I mean, this was, you know, one of the all-time great own goals. And I just couldn't believe, it. I really had to check multiple times. Was this really him? Now to take a step back, <laughs> To take a step back, he is still upset, clearly, over the fact that he gave me one of the all-time worst interviews and ignoring the fact that I have continuously praised the product ever since they launched around three years ago. It was just a bad interview, objectively a bad interview. Now, what's amazing about that interview is, you know, everyone loves to talk about, oh, he couldn't talk about this, he couldn't talk about that, legal this, legal that. First of all, like, where's the fucking legal? Right? Where, where's, yeah, where's the proof? We've been waiting for a while yeah. on that. Where's the proof? What legal? What legal are you guys talking about? You're going to compare this to this and that? Like, where's the legal? What, what is this investigation that you guys keep talking about? But I just want to let you all know very clearly that I had asked Tony multiple times to come on the show. I stopped asking because I was told that, you know, he wasn't sure. I'm Nick Khan's guy. I work for BT, which is ridiculous. That's just a broadcast partner. That would be like saying to someone like Mark Ramundi that he shouldn't interview Bellator guys because he works for ESPN and UFC is on ESPN. Stupid. Anyway, I just stopped asking. They reached out to me several months later and said, do you want to have Tony on? I was like, really? Cool. Never said, don't ask about this. Don't ask about that. You don't think I was going to ask about these things? Anyone worth their salt is going to ask about these things. There was a million different ways that you could have answered those questions. But just to let you all know, at the time, I had no relationship with anyone, like in terms of business, anything like that. This was back in early October. So to now pin those questions on me appearing on SmackDown and all that stuff is a bullshit move because one has nothing to do with the other. He's just mad that he came off looking like a guy who 
didn't know how to handle these situations and only is comfortable promoting and talking on and on and on about a product when that's not really what the public wants to hear. And now he's trying to say, aha, look, this is why he asked me these questions when it's all just silly bullshit, man. It's all just silly bullshit. And why do you care? Why do you really, really care? Like, all right, I said it was a bad interview. I've praised your product. Why, do, why are you so quick to run to your phone and tweet this in my moment? And so that's when I realized, I was like, old Ariel would have let this tweet and a guy like this bother him. I actually was like invigorated by it. I thought it was hilarious. And I was, I was like, I was, I, was, I was debating like, do I tweet something back now? Do I wait? Let me just chew on this. Let me get the second hit out of the way and then I'll deal with this. But the amazing thing was, is how the whole thing spread backstage. Everyone was, do you see the tweet? You see the tweet? You see the tweet? And like, I'm just the new, I've just been here for four hours. Like, I don't even know yeah. a lot of these people. This is amazing. How could he have done, was that really him? What a, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, yeah, I guess it was really him. He doesn't follow me, but I guess it was really him. And I still <laughs> feel kind of bad for Tony Schiavone that he was insulted in the process. <laughs> Bizarre. So then I go out, I, I do the second one. Wait, yes, let me, go ahead. Let me, let me ask two things here. Wouldn't you say like the questions you were asking him in that in that ill-fated interview? Wouldn't that be the what journalism is? Wouldn't that be like the, the actual proof in the pudding he has of no like idea. what journalism is supposed he to be? Wants, he, and he, then he the wants other he's no different than he Dana. PR. You know, I wanted what I thought about tweeting back to him was, you know, Dana's not going to shag you, mate, because I know he's just trying to, you know. <laughs> curry favor with his uh with his idol dana white that been the one. you know been yeah I, I i was thinking of that one but i thought it might have been too much of a deep cut for the wrestling audience i think this was a little you know what i mean but like little. he's just trying to do that thing and uh you know it hasn't worked for dana and it ain't gonna work for but, tony khan i can assure you of that what was it new york Rick? but by the way that's what he should he should want that that to to the point like he's a promoter like that's what he should like he shouldn't be seeking journalistic integrity like that's not what this program is anyway um my other thing is isn't it kind of wild that like to your point like you've been there four hours all the people in the locker room are talking about it tony khan is taking this shot at you like it's almost like you're not even like part of this world you're not like you're dropped into Insanity. it and it's like he's solely focused on you he could have been watching that show said nothing said anything about the wrestling those guys suck these guys suck that he, it's you specifically who are not related to this at, at in any way, and so, um, except for this one night. And for him, it's to crazy tweet that, for him to tweet that. How mad did he have to get? Like in his own <laughs> yeah, home, he's probably pretty mad. That. The funniest, the, the best part, and you touched on it, is the hashtag AEW yeah. Rampage after it. Like no <laughs> one's watching that, dude. Stop. I wasn't sure if maybe he couldn't hear what i was saying maybe his connection was bad on his tv because it was snowing in montreal i don't know if it was snowing in jacksonville so i don't know if the connection was bad and he was like unclear about what he was seeing i don't know so that's why you know yeah. i was yes yeah, so i wasn't sure yeah. you know you know i wasn't sure like if his like direct tv was off or something like that um it, it does happens, happen you know? it does happen so then i get to the second hit i'm among my people i compare it to 1993 the banner canadians you know the sports guy all this stuff and it's freaking great. And now the thing is building and it's building and it's building. And I then leave and I'm feeling pretty good. All right. Everyone's like, all right, we'll see you back tomorrow. I was like, okay, I guess I'll be back tomorrow. I don't, you know, this is amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's like summer incredible. Camp. Like you just got dropped and, and, off. And again, I can't stress this enough. Like mom and dad. Old Ariel would have let this bother him. Old Ariel would have been down over this. Old Ariel would have been like reading the replies. This being yeah, the Tony, the Tony thing? thing. 
I was this, not going to okay. let this fucking guy, this guy who has built an amazing thing, all credit to him. This kid who, you know, if it wasn't for his old man, wouldn't be, l- let me tell you something. My dad gave me a lot, but as far as like MMA journalism and everything that I've built, that was all on me. That was all on me. All right. Um, I'm very proud of what I built. I wasn't going to let this guy fucking soil my name, drag it through the mud, ruin my night, Montreal, a dream, a bucket list thing. And I know he's trying to get himself over on me because Lord knows he needs it. I wasn't going to let that happen. Wasn't going to let that happen. Absolutely not. And I could tell you a lot of other stuff about that interview that we didn't show um, about how weird and bizarre that whole thing was, but I'm not going to do that. Right. So then I'm in the car and I'm uh, thinking like, do I, I actually thought I wasn't going to reply to be honest, but then I was like, fuck it. He'll want 10, seven all day, every day. So I just throw back that thing <laughs> about, you know, thanks for watching. What, what pushed you over? The, what was know. the moment? I was just, I was honestly, I was you, in the car going back decided. home. It was night. I was feeling good. And I was like, I'm not just going to let this slide. You know what I mean? No, you're not just going to call me a fraud <laughs> and get away with it. Uh, and, and honestly, I felt bad for Tony. I felt like I needed, you know, Shivani. I felt like I needed to, uh, to stick Shivani, up for my yeah. guy. I mean, come on, what a legend. Um, and and honestly, I feel like me and Tony Schiavone doing broadcasting together. I mean, I feel like that would put butts in seats. I feel like people would be into that. So um, that's a deep cut, by the way, from uh, the old WCW days. Uh, poor Tony Schiavone. And and so I, I was feeling good. And then I tweet the thing. And then that explodes. And then the best part is all the freakazoids now come to you know Tony's defense. <laughs> And start to tell me about my career, about my life, about journalism, about this and that. Let me explain to you because poor Dave Meltzer, I see, continuing to get um, compared to me. I am not Dave Meltzer. I have never claimed to be Dave Meltzer. I don't cover pro wrestling for a living. I don't have a wrestling show. I don't have a wrestling site. I don't have a wrestling newsletter. Why do you guys keep comparing me to this guy? Because I may be that guy in MMA. I've never been that guy in this sport. I interview, by the way, just let me tell you guys this when i signed with bt sport the sole thing that i was hired to do mainly was ufc go back to the announcement it was ufc the problem was someone at the ufc you know who wasn't happy about it threw a fit went crazy did all this stuff and they were like all right well we guess i guess we can use them in wwe that was never the plan so and 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 it's been great and i loved it and it kind of opened this you know thing in my brain like oh i could do more of this point is I've never considered myself a wrestling journalist. So I don't know why all of you are all up in arms. I'm having fun. I'm living my life. I feel sorry if you can't have this kind of fun. It was great. So I come back on Saturday and I, I'm still like, I don't know. Am I doing this? Am I doing that? I find out GSP is going to be there. I know GSP. That's my guy. Text him. Hey, do you want to do a quick chat about this night? All this stuff? Yeah, for sure, bro. He's back there. Sami Zayn is back there. And it's like, it's what am I doing here? One of these things is not like the other. How did I end up here? I'm just the kid who was sitting in the 400s. I was the kid who was watching GSP against Matt Sarah on his couch. Now I'm in the room with him and Sami Zayn. Like, this is insane. Old me wouldn't embrace this. Old me would worry about what other people think. I'm fucking living my life and having a blast and not breaking any fucking rule that you guys want to impose on me. Fuck off. Then they say, you're going to sit out in the crowd and we're going to do like the celebrity shot with you and GSP. I'm like, why am I in the shot? I don't deserve to be here. It's fucking GSP. No, no, no. You go out there with him. And so like we do that thing. It's like, look who's here in the crowd. Now, I'm not listening to the broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Take a step that back. That was my favorite part. That was my back. favorite part. Michael Cole, freaking legend that he is, sees me before the show and says, just wait until you hear how I introduce you. I think he's going to say combat sports reporter, this, that, or the other, whatever. I was like, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for putting me on. Do the hit. I'm trying to put over GSP. Crowd's going nuts. Fucking GSP is like asking me questions. I'm like, what am I doing here? This all feels like an out-of-body experience. Go to the back, and then my phone explodes because of what Michael Cole said. Michael Cole references, says something to the effect of, oh, and there's the unbiased journalist, Ariel Hawani, who's going to hit world you. Renowned world well. renowned. Hit you with the hard questions, whether you want to answer them. And I was like, what is going on? This is like 1999, <laughs> Monday, night ro- Monday Night Wars, and I'm in the middle of it? What You're the, the middle. Yes. What is going on here? And everyone's going nuts over this. Like, I'm getting high fives in the back. I'm like, I didn't do anything. This is incredible. So it was just, yeah, it was just nuts. Then I went in the back and uh, pretty much just watched the rest. I went out um, for the Sami Zayn match. Bummed that he lost. What, what do you make of that? Yeah. Give us your thoughts on that match. First of all, I, I, like guys, the crowd was unbelievable. It was deafening. It was unbelievable. Like when I asked earlier about like, had they been back? I was kind of, the, the, the low number kind of shocked me. Cause like, why wouldn't you go back there? That crowd looked insane. And, and the, They're the, the, best. the enthusiasm is just, it came through the TV. I'll tell you that. They are the best. And especially for one of their own, it felt like a GSP title fight back in the day. It really yeah, did. It looked like it. They didn't touch for five minutes. The ups and downs KO comes out. I really think he should have won. I think he should have won. Here I am saying it. I think he should. Oh, my God. He's not going to be critical. I think he should have won. I think there was a way. You should. <clears throat> I think there was a way to make him win. We want moments in life. Like, I remember when Mick Foley won in Worcester, Massachusetts. He has no connection to Worcester, and I still remember it. And he was running around. the. By the way, funny thing is, Shivani was connected to that moment because, for those that don't know, Tony Shivani was live on WCW Monday Nitro. They had taped Monday Night Raw the week before with Foley winning, and he... And spoiled about it. an own goal he said gc on the broadcast we want to let you all know that mankind mick foley is about to win the wwe championship or wwf championship on the other show don't bother changing the channel why oh because that guy's a bum that'll really put butts in seats what ended up happening everyone changed the channel and went to go see mick foley win so it completely backfired on them and now here he is like somehow tied to all of this fucking surreal shit Anyway, I wish he would have won. I think there was a way to make him win and then go to WrestleMania and all this stuff. But, you know. But this is the problem. They have the the fight that's after this. I mean, I say fight. Yeah, I, match, I don't know. Feud. Match. The match that's after this already determined who's going to be in you it. So that's the problem, the belts. Right? You like, could have done one night Sammy Roman rematch. You could have done Cody in the second night. You could have done a triple threat. Split the belts, meaning he like he belts. wins yeah. only one yeah. belt of the two. Of the, Yeah. Okay, so. And then yeah. Sammy ends up with you need one belt, Cody ends up with the other. Fuck. And we have Montreal yes. and Atlanta ruling. We're, yeah, that's, that's, over uh, now. that's You're on Raw. Man. I'm on SmackDown. We're both fucking you too. chills. That's the dream. Oh, my God. You are, <laughs> you being in the middle of the new Monday Night Wars, I did not anticipate, but it's, it's pretty incredible. Okay, I have to say this. So, obviously, I, I'm traveling right now for a friend's wedding, so I'm – you know, I'm, I'm also staying with people that none of them are into the WWE world, so I wasn't able to tune into any of this. But when I saw the clip that 
got cut off of you in the middle of the crowd. I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on right now? I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, this is not what when you said you were going to uh, to Montreal to do Me this. Too. This is the last thing I was expecting. I was expecting what you were saying, doing some interviews, doing the voiceover for the, you know, welcome back to Montreal WWE. You being in the crowd, getting the lower third, Me GSP too. the next night, like none of this. Like I was, I was dying laughing when they sent it. It was wild. Honestly, after the voiceover thing, like I was good. That thing was pretty well received. Like I was, I was very content. Um, I felt good about it. I felt like I did my part. I felt like I told the story. And then all this stuff was gravy. By the way, my dad dropped me off on Saturday too. And so that was wild also. Um, and then, and then every, like, uh, yo, uh, I'll just say that one of the things that I tweeted, as they say in the business, I popped the boys in mm -hmm. the back. So many people came up to me. It was like, that was freaking amazing. And it was just great. Like all of a sudden I felt like I was a part of the team and, I and mean, I would, I was just there for, you know, a week. Kind of by default now part of the team. You have to be, right? And fuck <laughs> it. Uh I have I have I have no problem. I just don't and I, I, I wanna why why? I just want to reiterate to all the people <laughs> if I disappointed you by doing this, I don't give a fuck. I am not a wrestling journalist. I am not. I may die tomorrow. And I could forever say that I got to do that. And if that bothers you, if that makes you feel any differently about my interview with Cody or my interview with Triple H or my interview with Paul Heyman or my interview with MJF, yeah. who I still think is the best thing right now, or my interview with Daniel Bryan or Thunder Rosa, fine. Go watch someone else. I don't care. I'm not going to live by these bizarro rules that you people want to make for me. And uh, if you don't like it, that's fine. Just watch something else. But I'm going to freaking take these opportunities and I'm going to... After all the shit sandwiches that I've had to eat over the last 10 years, and there's been great moments, but there's been a lot of shit sandwiches, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. And if I'm not breaking any rules, if I'm not, you know, doing anything that I'd be ashamed of, that I can't talk to my kids about or look at myself in the mirror about, I'm going to do them. And so just to be clear, that's it for me. Like, I'm not a new employee. That's it. I'm done. I left. I said, thank you. That was it. I may just have been the Montreal guy. This may have been a one night stand and great or a two night stand and great. And I have zero regrets and I loved every second of it. If they come back and we talk about something else, would I be open to it? If it makes sense? I don't think necessarily me being like a character is the right move. I don't even know, but I would consider anything, but I just want to let you all know so that you can, you know, rest easy at night. I am done. Tony, I am done. If you want to talk about maybe, you know, me helping out the product and uh, uh, cutting, you know, I'll show was, up on Dynamite for the right price, Tony. I'll shoot over there too if you want. No problem. I, I was just about to say, you said you're open to an offer from WWE. Maybe maybe AEW comes knocking at your door. I'll be, listen, uh, you want me to be bought and paid for? Let's start printing out the fraud t-shirts right now. I'll fucking <laughs> lean all the way in. I don't give a fuck. I don't we understand. Unbiased. I, what do you want me to say? Biased. I, I truly can't. Converse Helwani for the why, eight. Why is it so hard for people to grasp that you're not a wrestling journalist? Why is that difficult? It seems it's very easy on its face. I don't know. I think it's because they see the interviews and they're like, oh, you're acting as one. But like, I don't report on the news. Like, I'll, sometimes, I'll get a press release that SummerSlam is going to Detroit. And I'll write per WWE press release. But I'm not breaking yeah. news. Uh, I, I, I refuse the if Saudi Arabia thing. But even uh, if you were, but you're not, I don't know. It's not, it's not your job and it's not, 
you're, you're, what are, what is compromised in this scenario? I just you don't know what understand the best it. part about it. Anytime I tweet something about pro wrestling, it's like, oh, this is fake. This is entertainment. You know, this is bullshit. This is not sports. Now it's real. Now, now it's, it's all real. real. Like, now it's all How real. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you do this? Like they're acting like I went to work for the UFC. And by the way, even if I did, like, okay, there I am. I'm working for the UFC. Like I, I, I remember there was a great um, Lee Jenkins, a great writer for SI. He sports went to work for the. Yeah. Um, the the Clippers. There was another guy who also went to work from ESPN. Hollinger. Went the, Hollinger yeah. went to the Grizzlies. This is life, man. This is life. So I'm telling you now. The, yeah, but the reason I didn't tell all of you before is because I didn't know what I was doing, A, and I didn't want to ruin anything, okay? Now I'm telling you all right now. That was a one weekend thing. It was all good. No regrets. Bought and paid for. And now I'm a free agent again. So if uh, NWA wants to hit me up, I'll be the hottest <laughs> free agent in pro wrestling. NWA, let's have let's have a let's have a bidding war for my services. But I I, I will say uh, I like those guys very much, and um, it was great to work with them, like Paul and Paul and and, and Nick. Obviously, we have the relationship with. So I'm sorry if that uh, if that bothers of you that I'm saying that, but uh, it was incredible. It was one. It was well, it was legit one of the top ten best weekends of my life. It sounds like it, dude. It it sounds like a full circle moment. It sounds like dreams realized. Uh, so I'm happy for you, man. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Thank I'm you. I'm very happy for you. Good for you. F the wrestling. And yes, F them, man. Live but your life. Here's dude. my question for you. I need yeah. a percentage, right? I need a I need a percentage adding up to a hundred. The two options are work shoot. I need one hundred percent of a full pie. <laughs> how much of your of your now Tony Khan feud is work and how much oh, of the oh, shoot? Oh, is the wow. You see, you're now being a very good journalist by asking this. Um no, this is not a work. Are you kidding me? One hundred is the answer. Shoot. I mean, it's listen, a shoot, brother. Tony. Tony wants to shoot. He's looking. He's looking for a foil. He has tried to pick a fight with the the biggest name in combat sports and wrestling media. He has tried to pick a fight <laughs> with me, and so I'll say to Tony, "I'm sorry about your Jaguars. They shat the bed against the Chiefs. I'm sorry that Fulham is a mid tier club. And yes, you beat Nottingham Forest a couple of times this year. But guess what?" 23 years, not in the Premier League, we'll get you back, no problem. I'm sorry that it seems like a lot of people say things about you. I wasn't one of that one of those guys. In fact, I have praised you and your product multiple times. I went to Dynamite in Queens. I don't know what you're so upset about. Are you so upset because I asked you a few questions and you didn't answer them correctly? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, like I've said time and again, you come at the king, you best not miss. And once again, he missed. Just like all of them. And, and and let me tell you guys all something. I've had to deal with the likes of Dana White. I mean, if you think I'm afraid of, you know, big bad Tony K, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm that not. speech at AEW and Queens didn't put fear in your heart? When he was on his knees and stuff? Yeah. No. Legendary speech. No. I, I, that I, was my introduction I, to Tony I Khan. know. I've never met the guy. I've never met the guy. And I, you know, prior to in person, prior to that conversation. I did not know that. Yeah. N- never. I, like, I thought y'all knew each other. No. I don't know what his thing is. I, I think he's probably trying to like be tough like Dana and all this stuff. But thank you for the tweet, man. Honestly, thank you. It was great. I think it helped me out. And thank you to everyone who's been tweeting up a storm about me and all upset, ruining your weekend. I loved every minute of it. It was fantastic. And thank you to WWE for having me. And thank you to GSP for letting me hang with them. And Sammy was incredible. And everyone in the back. And Paul Heyman and Paul Levesque and Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn. Uh, it was, it, 
like I'm saying these names and I can't believe it's I'm talking about myself. I can't yeah. believe and it was in Montreal. Like you talk about an out of body experience in Montreal. How the hell did this happen? So I don't think it would have meant I don't think it would have no, if we were in Detroit reached or these Atlanta, levels if it was in yeah, some great. random Americans. It would have been awesome, but I'm in the freaking Bell Center. I'm seeing the Canadians logo there. I see I saw like one of my high school classmates in the crowd when I was there. Legit. That's crazy. crazy. That's perfect. I saw crazy. a girl and a guy that I went to high school with. And they're like, Ariel. I'm like, what the hell? So other people that I know were sending me pictures like, what are you doing here? I don't know. This is amazing. I have no idea. <laughs> All the people backstage couldn't have been nicer. Like the people who work for WWE. I saw a bunch of the, you know, the the talent. Everyone is I, I couldn't stop thinking about like how much fun this all was and how welcoming everyone was and how it's, it honestly feels like a big family. I saw Logan in the back. We were talking about Vogue and him being in Australia. We were talking about Jake oh, wow. and the fight coming up. Um, it just felt like a family and everyone's like work, you know, because. Wait, was Logan in the yeah, show? He showed I, up, miss, I might have um, missed that. Was Elimination he? Chamber and he, he did? cost okay. uh, Seth Rollins in an incredible sequence. So they're probably going to, uh, I mean, it's clearly going towards WrestleMania. Jeez, that guy, oh, he was amazing. He's another one who's just yes. living the dream like you. Like he's just inserted into this thing, doing it like a yeah. like a rocket ship. It was ship. great. Is oh, GSP a fan? GSP part, or was he no, just there because it was the biggest thing in? It was. It was. Montreal. It was something that he was. Um, so you know, GSP and Nick know each other um, from the CAA days, and uh, he was invited to Montreal. He doesn't yep. really go out to a lot of events, you know, because he'd be, you know, he, yes, the concert. Nick Khan. Yeah, that is. He, just he would be anybody. swarmed. Yeah. But he was just a fan with some friends. Um, had done his, like he's such a pro. He told me he didn't really watch, you know, uh, the product. These, but like he did his research, so he was aware. We did an interview. It was so cool being in the back, Sammy meeting him, and just seeing how much it meant to Sammy that GSP would be there um, to watch him to support him. I assume Sammy, in the other way, is a, he, is a I would say a fight he's like fan, hardcore, right? but he definitely knows him and he knows boxers. Yeah, yeah, of GSP, course. Like, of course. Like a, yeah. Like legit Montreal. Like everyone knows GSP here. So like, and GSP is royal. Yeah. All the security guards coming up to him. And it was great. And then they say, okay, he's going to go sit. You sit next to him. We're going to put you on camera. I'm like, what? What? What am I doing? Like, I'm, I've seen this celebrity shot before a million times. You want me there? Yes, of course. And so I'm sitting there with him for the Brock and Bobby match. And we're talking about it. And, and we're sitting in the front row. And I was like, what the hell? I'm sitting next to GSP in Montreal, front row, watching Brock. We're about to be on camera. Listen, man, we only get one life. And uh, if you can't enjoy these things, then, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to freaking enjoy, especially after the last few years, I'm going to enjoy them. And I'd be lying if I, if I said, like, I didn't want to do this again because I freaking caught the bug, if you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. the wheels what were What a good one to start I on. I could do that. Um, do although maybe... Maybe how does yeah. it go up from here is a, is a you know relevant yeah, question like, to ask. The is this maybe you started at the damn top. Uh, do you think they put you on that celebrity shot? Oh, you as think a so? little bit of a a knife? I mean, it yeah. doesn't hurt when all of a sudden somebody we literally have in our building is in the biggest feud in pro wrestling right now. Which then goes to show again how he helped me. Like you helped me, man. Oh, I I think he helped you big time. You helped me. I I I I wish he, <laughs> I mean, for his own sake, didn't do that because like it's again every time they come at me, it backfires. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get why he did that. I will never get why he did that. 
and certainly don't. I think Frank sent us uh, the screen grab of the. It was very much like Happy Gilmore. Like, hey, you know, you eat pieces of shit like for for me like breakfast. What is it? You eat pieces of shit <laughs> like me for breakfast. What is it again? You eat. I eat pieces of shit yes. like you for breakfast. You eat pieces yeah, of no, shit for breakfast. There you go, Rick. Oh, fuck, I kill. I fucking botched that big time. Um, <laughs> That's okay. You yes. did all right this I'm week. Still, yeah, honestly, yeah. I'm still buzzing. I'm still. My head is still. Spinning. I mean, you have to be. I, I mean, don't, you're literally I, I still know. there. You're still in my. I don't know how you couldn't be buzzing. And then you you do all this. Your dad drops you off at the arena. And now you're recording this in your in-laws house where you used to visit your now wife yes. when you were younger it's just like the ultimate full circle nostalgia yes. moment that you could ever experience yes. like you couldn't have like scripted it better no i couldn't have i if i mean you know a real journalist yeah would have passed on that that's I that's know. all i have to say uh, about that you know yeah a real wrestling journalist know, right? would have never done. That's it. the best part. It's like all, wrestling journalist. I get. I guess. I'm, I get. I guess I'm off real I'm sports saying. now, right? Isn't that the best part? It's like these dudes <laughs> calling me a fraud, and I'm like, I'm on like the number one most respected sports journalism show, like with a story coming up soon in America, in North America. I don't know. It's like, oh, he's not a real wrestling journalist. Okay, actually, looking at some of y'all. I don't want to be one. All right. There's some that I like. Uh, shout out to John Pollock, Wei Ting. You know the ones. But like, I'm okay with not being a part of that fraternity, guys. All good. Thank you for the support and love. Um, so anyway, it was uh, it was wild. Did I explain it well enough? God did I do bless. a good job? Okay. I think we did good. I think we did good here. I think we started you, a little rocky. I think I think you had too you had too okay. much swirling around in there where you're just overloading. Yeah, we got there, and, and we got there. to post the the bloopers of the you know, no no the no, no 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 no. I can't. We're good. We're no. good. Uh, you did a fantastic job. As someone that wasn't able to watch any even one minute of Elimination Chamber, I I oh. now feel like I got the full. <laughs> oh, got to go back and watch. Now I want to go back and watch the highlights. Watch the match. Forty minutes. It was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I only, saw, but I only saw the main. I only saw the the uh, Sammy and. This Roman was the first time oh, in a yeah, long time where I was like, I need to write some of yeah. this shit down because, like I said, I'm only telling you guys twenty percent of the story. Um, there's so much that I saw and and experienced and witnessed. I was just like, wow, this is. How did I get so lucky? This is definitely going to be a good chapter in uh, Highway to Hawani. I'm looking forward to reading this one back. Yes, this is chapter. I don't know what it is. I mean, first, I mean, what should I call it? Fraud? Should I call it that? Yeah, the, the Montreal snowman. fraud. The Montreal fraud. That's pretty good. We had the Montreal screw job. Now we got the Montreal That's fraud. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yo, that'll be the audio book. I yo, can't hit up Laquan real no, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hit up Laquan real quick to print those shirts? <laughs> the Montreal fraud. Uh, yeah, out. I'm sure that'll be done in no time. Uh, we'll get that on the show as soon as we get the, I love the spirits out. Unbiased. Oh, Michael Cole, I what mean, a legend. That was a, All right. that was a hell of a problem, um, Michael. Amazing. Wow. Uh, all right. I think we're good. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think so, so too. Can I can I quickly break the fourth wall? Uh, you know, I'm the host uh, of this meeting here, and uh, my battery has... Wait, I have to say goodbye. Oh, your battery's about to die? No, no, no. That's, that's what I wanted to say. I know you have to say goodbye. I have to. I just have to quickly just break down how I've been internally freaking out this entire time because my oh. battery has been dwindling like quickly. Even okay. after charging, plugging in it into a charger, it's still dwindling. I'm at 4% right now. Um, 
But I think it looks like we're going to make it. It looks like we survived. But I was having an internal oh, crisis. This Why don't we okay, just okay, hop so off me, right now? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. You can hit my music. Appreciate everyone uh, if it's not already playing. Uh, appreciate everyone who watched. And we're going to be back on Wednesday. And let me just say this. Uh, massive, if it all comes together, and I think it is, uh, massive in-studio guest. I don't want to jinx it. Massive in-studio guest on Wednesday's show. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back in the studio. Who knows what's going to happen between now and Wednesday. Maybe someone else is going to try to take me down and uh, call me all kinds of names. <laughs> I'll be ready for it, baby! Uh, it has been fun. I appreciate you all. I hope you don't feel like uh, we shortchanged you by doing this. But, you know, truth be told, we could just not on the show, you know. So I feel like you should kind of be thankful that we did this. Um, I thought it was one of Frank's better performances on the For program. Sure. Uh, I thought he did a great job. I thought he was very <laughs> He says he's like, just writing all kinds of stuff. So quickly, he uh, responds so quickly to everything. Yes. I think we got Can like I, 87 slacks from throughout I, this. I know GC's computer is about to die and we're going to lose all this, but... We're all right. We got time. We got time. Uh, Frank, first one to text me to say welcome to, back to the Parlay Pals, actually. All, separate wow. offline text. He said, he said, welcome back. You know, don't know what happened with Connor there, but... Of um, course, of course. Yeah, welcome yeah, yeah. back, welcome back to the parlor. I, really I, I, I made that. I made that up. I made that up. I made that up. Wasn't real. Okay, now I'm getting way too nervous. Thanks for listening, GC, New York Rick, Mysterious Frank. Back on Wednesday, same time and place. Until then, we say peace. We're out of here.